Brian Stack is a comedy writer for first for many years for Conan and Brian's shows, both in New York and L.A., and now is writing for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. But in his spare time, he is the mild-mannered, <laughs> nicest comedian I know, and also a connoisseur of uh, popular music. And since we have lost, in the last week alone, to this virus, John Prine, Adam Schlesinger, and uh, Ellis Marsalis, uh, it, it just I and you've been you've been tweeting so many great links to so much great music. I wanted to talk to you about what. What music is getting you through this pandemic? Can you help us, please, Brian? <laughs> well, th first, first of all, thanks for having me, Austin. It's great to talk to you again, as always. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever it is, wherever you are. I'm Austin Titchener, one-third of the Reduced Shakespeare Company, and you're listening to this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast, number 696, Brian Stack's Music. Yeah, it's um, it's so heartbreaking to lose artists whose music you love, even though you know the music's going to live on and you'll always have their wonderful songs. You, you feel like some something good has been lost for the world. And the world is poorer without the presence of people like John Prine or Adam Schlesinger. And um, Ellis Marcellus, I, I've heard nothing but wonderful things about. He was actually a mentor of John Batiste, who's our band leader at The Late Show. And... Uh, I know what a incredibly renowned and, and respected figure he is in the world of jazz and, and what a mentor he's been to so many younger musicians. And uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's always so, I think there's, there's always a small party that thinks that if you love someone's music, they'll be there forever. And uh, it's just a reminder, you know, recently kind of a cold splash of water in the face that they, uh, that sometimes they, they aren't around as long as as you you'd love them to be. It's true, and 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 even with John Prine and Ellis Marsalis, who were older gentlemen, um, they were still making music. They were still playing it. Um, Adam Schlesinger was only fifty-two. I you know. know, he still had a lot of you know. There was still a lot of great music still to come from him. So it does feel like it's a genuine loss. And what I love so much about. Uh, Adam Schlesinger's music particularly was that <clears throat> his songs were full of both joy and wit and and I'm 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 rarely moved to tears by beauty or and I'm never moved to tears by tragedy I am almost always I'm slightly <laughs> embarrassed to say moved to tears by joy and the the fountains of Wayne song um uh, the girl I can't forget mm. fills me with such joy every single GD time I listen to it. Well, she picked me up in a German car and she took me out to an Irish bar where I drank some beer in a plastic cup till I had some trouble standing up. And then she drove downtown to a strobeless space where all the guys wore chains and thumping bass. Was so intense I could
the way you described it is so perfect. The mixture of joy and wit. And uh, like, I was thinking of their song, Red Dragon Tattoo, where the guy's just going to get a tattoo of Coney Island to impress a girl. And I love when he says, I'm fit to be dyed and I'm fit to have you. So fit to be dyed, just that, <laughs> that kind of wordplay. And it, it could, that could, maybe when they were writing it, they're thinking, is this going to be corny? And it isn't corny at all. It's just funny. And they, their instincts were great. And uh, he worked on so many things that a lot of people may not even know about. Like he worked on a lot of the music with Steven for the Colbert Report, like uh, Christmas, Greatest Gift of All. And he worked on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. A lot of the songs that they did on that show were, were right out of uh, the musical ideas came out, came from him. And um, so he, he was kind of a Renaissance man, you know, in, in terms of working in various areas of music. And I, I always wish I, I would have loved to have met him, you know, at some point, but I was always a fan of their music. And, and John Prine, I was lucky enough to say a brief, thank you and meet him very briefly when he played um, Colbert a couple years ago and he couldn't have been sweeter. And it was, he's, it's so nice when someone you're hoping, you know, they say don't meet your heroes, but uh, he couldn't have been sweeter. And Miriam and I actually saw him in Galway, Ireland on our honeymoon in 96. He was doing a show in Galway, just happened to be that week. And uh, I didn't know until we saw that show, how huge he is and uh, always was in Ireland. Um, and no wonder he married a woman from Ireland too. And I think she just said in a post that he felt more at home there than almost anywhere. Mm. So I think he was embraced by the people there and his his kind of uh, sense of humor and gracious spirit, I think fit right in, you know, the self-deprecating wit and the, uh, the kind of uh, not taking yourself seriously uh, <laughs> and his storytelling gifts. You know, he could have been a, a great short story writer probably. Oh, for sure. Um, and so, uh, and so these guys are playing music that I'm, I'm sure have all are already in the in near the top of your personal top ten, top twenty, top one hundred. Um, but your knowledge, I mean, I, I, I so, I mean, in addition to you being very funny and a nice guy, I love following your tweets because you tweet a lot of music. Some of it I'm familiar with, most of it I'm really not, and it always feels like a great introduction for me to music that I'm not aware of. And it, and it's just, I, I just so admire your taste. Um, what do you, uh, what, what do you, is there a kind that you listen to or are there different kinds of music that you turn to at different times? I think that's a good way of putting it. I think I, I, I jump around a lot actually. And I think one of the reasons I share it is that I learned about it when it was uh, shared to me from others. And like, I, I remember, finding a book many years ago that was just called the Rolling Stone Record Guide. And I discovered all these artists like the band Fairport Convention and uh, lesser known albums by Van Morrison and reggae albums and stuff that I would never have even heard of. And so, um, or Graham Parker albums, you know, that I, I love to this day that um, I would have needed like an older brother, which I never had to like pass on to me. Um, so I, I was so grateful to, for those resources or the Trouser Press Record Guide, which has all these amazing reviews. Um, and Robert Christgau's Record Guide, he was the Village Voice pop music critic. I, I got so many records I love to this day from just reading those those reviews. Was music like sports is for a lot of other people? Like something you just dove into, read the reviews, saw the ratings, had your own, formed your own opinions about well, you know, it's funny when I when I was growing up, I always just assumed like I had very I had very limited taste growing up because 
I think I always assumed very naively that if something was really great, I would hear it on the radio. And, uh, you know, growing up as a suburban Chicago kid. So I, there, there are bands that I loved back then that I still love, like the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and, uh, you know, that stuff. But, um, but I had such a limited view of what was out there. And um, like, I remember my, uh, I think it was my, either my freshman or sophomore year, I think my freshman year of uh, college, uh, Rolling Stone critics named R.E.M.'s Murmur album of the year. And I hadn't heard of R.E.M. at that point. It was like 83 when it first came out. And I was like, what, what, is, what is this band? And I got the album because of that recommendation. And I fell so in love with it. And I remember feeling like, what else is out there that they're keeping from me? <laughs> because I hadn't heard it on the radio. So I was like, how could this be this great? And if I hadn't heard it on the radio. So that opened, uh, that made me expand my horizons a lot. And I started trying to look for more things. And I worked at the college radio station. So sometimes I would learn about stuff when people would request it. Like I remember people requesting social distortion and the butthole surfers and <laughs> really weird stuff that I would never have heard in a million years. Or even Richard Thompson, who I love to this day, like he he would come through town and do like a radio promo for us or something. And I'm like, who is this guy? And then I, you know, I would listen to him and it would open up a whole new world for me of uh, wonderful music that I I still love. So I've always been grateful that other people and there's a there's an amazing station here in New York called WFUV, which is uh, done on the campus of Fordham University, and that's been my introduction to so much great music in recent years. They play a lot of the old, like they're playing a lot of John Prine stuff today uh, in his honor, but they're also they play all kinds of amazing new bands that I discovered in the last couple of years, like Sunflower Bean and Hooray for the Riff Rap, and these bands that I would never learn about if it weren't for. Uh, for them just playing them. Cause we hear them in the car and we hear them in the kitchen. And I'm just, I, I fall in love with a new band almost every week because of <laughs> FUV. So I'm doing kind of my little mini, I'm sort of trying to pass it along from FUV a lot of times, <laughs> just when I, when I tweet something out. My name's Eric Essex, and you're listening to the Reduced Shakespeare Company Podcast. Where can you RSC the RSC? No word yet about whether our two weeks of performances of the complete history of comedy abridged at the Hartford stage in June of 2020 will continue as scheduled, which I'm taking to be good news. We will let you know if or when that changes. We've created a brand new page at our website at ReducedShakespeare.com, where right this second you can watch us perform many of our epic abridgments from the comfort of your own shelter in place. Right now you can see The Ring Reduced, where we transform Wagner's 17-hour ringside 
cycle into a brief and palatable 23-minute musical film, Lost Reduced, where we cram the first five seasons of the landmark TV show Lost into 10 minutes, our appearances on two Jeopardy! Tournaments of Champions, plus some brand new videos recorded and shot especially for right now by me and Matthew Croak and Doug Harvey. We'll continue to add to this page, so be sure to bookmark it and refresh it and keep coming back. You can grab your own copy of Pop-Up Shakespeare, written by me and Reed Martin, and beautifully illustrated by Jenny Mazels. It's perfect for homeschooling little kids of any age, and it's on sale worldwide. You can find links to both Amazon and independent bookstores in the U.S. and the U.K. on our website. You can hear us via this podcast every week and our other recordings available at Apple Music. If you're working from home or binge listening, now would be a great time to leave us that five-star review you've been planning to leave. Also, last Saturday, we had an epic two-hour online Zoom reunion of over 50 RSE actors, stage managers, and wardrobe gods and goddesses from at least four different time zones. It was a wonderfully funny, sloppy, and maybe not so surprisingly silly two-hour video get-together. And you can see it right now by going to our RSE Facebook page. As always, the very best way to stay up to date about all of our worldwide performance dates is to sign up for The Reduced Reader, our email newsletter. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com and click on the link to subscribe and check out our touring page for specific box office, venue, and ticket information. And now back to my conversation with comedy writer and performer Brian Stack, who was telling me more about his favorite music and how his loves for music and comedy have mixed in surprising and hysterical ways. Some of my favorite songs are very, by very, very, the the popular bands that everyone knows, like one of my favorite songs is the Beatles, Norwegian Wood, you know, and everybody knows the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, Moonlight Mile, you know, or uh, Jumpin' Jack Flash. Those are songs like I'll never get tired of. Or uh, Bob Dylan, you know, another legend, obviously. And, um, but, you know, one of my favorite songs by Dylan might not be one of his better known ones. I guess most Dylan fans would, would know it like the back of their hand, but Visions of Johanna, Mm. Uh, which is from his Blonde on Blonde album. That's uh, I heard Robin Hitchcock say that's his favorite song by anyone. And it's right up there for me. Um, it's uh, I think Visions of Johanna is like just one of those. Um, it's one of those songs that it's so timeless and so such a beautiful haunting song. And um, yeah, I mean, some of my other favorite songs like Van Morrison's Astral Weeks has always meant a lot to me too. The album is, beautiful and timeless and the title track i think if i had to pick one all-time favorite song by anybody it might be astro weeks just in terms of how it's never it's never really left my consciousness it's like one of those out and uh, i remember the great critic lester bangs writing an amazing essay about how the album astro weeks was like in a really dark time in his life was like a a beacon on the shores of the murk <laughs> wow. It was like where he he said he could barely get out of a chair. He was so depressed and he heard this album and it was like it gave him hope about life. And it, it, he said it was literally something guiding him through this wow. dark period. Right, and we, I, we had a we had some sort of party and I think it was a kid's party out in L.A. You know, when we were living there and the kids were little. But one of the dads came up to me because I was playing Van Morrison's I forget what album it was. But I was playing Van Morrison through the house and he said and he just kind of out of nowhere said, isn't it amazing? You could put on Van Morrison at a kid's party or a grown-up's cocktail party. Van Morrison is always the right music. <laughs> oh, that's so, that's totally how I feel. And it's so funny because 
for someone who makes album, uh, music that fills me with such joy, like St. Dominic's Preview is another album of his I love. And the title track, St. Dominic's Preview, is another one of my favorite songs. And it makes me feel better no matter what kind of mood I'm in. And it's filled with such uplifting joy. And yet, when you see Van Morrison interviewed, a lot of times he, he's one of the grumpiest guys in the world, which I find so funny. And I'm like, that's okay. You be grumpy. You're making us happy, you know. <laughs> you be as grumpy as you want. It's like Lou Reed, too, you know, a very grumpy guy a lot of the time. But his music brought so much you know, happiness and pleasure to people. And um, so I, I always find that that juxtaposition of the joy Van Morrison's music has with how uh, grumpy he is as a person. <laughs> well, and now you're now you're writing for for um, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, where like you did on Conan, I imagine you get to sit in the wings or backstage watching the monitors of some of the greatest musicians in the world coming and performing on your show. How's that? It's a, it's a real, I, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have done that over the years. You know, I was at Conan for 18 years and there were times where uh, I look back and I, I, I never try to take that for granted. Uh, the, uh, you know, just being able to watch someone like, uh, like someone like James Brown come in and do a rehearsal or something or watch uh REM or see Michael Seif come sit in with Patti Smith or, you know, these little moments that are very, or Neil Young. Like I remember it was so funny. I was too afraid to meet Neil Young when he was on. Cause I'm such a, he's such a hero. And uh, one of the second producers was like, Hey, you want to meet, you want to meet Neil? Cause he knew I was a fan. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I, I couldn't. And I, I had to do a Frankenstein bit. And so I was in, I was in full Frankenstein makeup with bolts in my neck and platform shoes and all this stuff. And uh, I was coming out of the makeup room after doing the bit and he was just coming off through the airlock after his interview. So I literally just practically ran into him. Just so I had Frankenstein. No yeah. So I had no choice but to say something. I go, hey, I, I just want to thank you for your music. It's meant a lot to me. And he said, uh, hey, that Frankenstein bit was funny, man. <laughs> and I was like, OK, I can die now. That was uh, but I was too afraid to meet him. And um, that it was just so. Uh, surreal you know when you see these people that you don't really think of as flesh and blood human beings you know like just seeing Springsteen come by to when Max was going on tour and doing a surprise walk on or something all that stuff was yeah I never expected to be within you know a hundred yards of these people so that was a, a treat and a privilege. That's it for this week's Reduced Shakespeare Company podcast. You heard Fountains of Wayne's The Girl I Can't Forget, Bonnie Raitt singing John Prine's Angel from Montgomery on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and some smooth jazz guitar by Eric Essex. Now send us your favorite music via email to feedback at reducedshakespeare.com. You can also find us and interact with other fans on our dedicated podcast page on Facebook at RSE Podcast, on Instagram at Reduced Shakespeare Company, or on my preferred platform on Twitter at Reduced. You can also follow me on Twitter at Austin Titchener, and you should absolutely follow Brian Stack on Twitter at BrianStack153. 
Thanks, as always, to DJ Matthew Croak. Web services by Ginger Power Limited. Music by John Weber and Garage Band. Our random fan shout-out this week goes to Jennifer Selke. No reason, it's just random. Special thanks to Eric Essex, whose beautiful jazz guitar can be found wherever you stream or buy music. And finally, thanks very much to you for listening. Please stay safe and stay home. I'm Austin Titchener, 696-2088ths of the Reduced Shakespeare Company. Just to take us out, Brian, can you tell us a little bit about how your comedy worlds <laughs> and your musical worlds combined and mashed up in the Men Without Hats conversation channel sketch? Oh, that was so ridiculous. Like, a lot of times that, a lot of our ideas would come up accidentally from screwing around in the office. Like, uh, that would, that that developed in a very similar way to, uh, John Glazer did a channel called Camp Michael McDonald, where it was Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers. And we had, we had been sitting around all day talk singing like Michael McDonald, like, it is time now for rehearsal, you know, and just like that kind of thing. And John just took that script. It was all, all our songs were to the tune of taking it to the streets that day. <laughs> but uh, John turned it in. You can see it on YouTube. It's one of the funniest things ever. It's Camp Michael McDonald, where John was Michael McDonald as a camp counselor saying like, uh, you know, you don't know me, but I'm your counselor. You know, it was really, <laughs> it's so funny. But Man Without Hats was very much like that too. I, we were all, uh, I think I was just joking around with Miriam or something, my wife, uh, singing like, uh, we'll make toast if you want to, we can make some toast right now. And um, it literally just turned into uh, this idiot guy who's ruining his life because he can't stop doing the Men Without Hats song in his daily life conversationally. So he gets divorced, he gets fired from his job and a waiter punches him in the face <laughs> because he can't stop. So it was literally a lot of our favorite ideas uh, developed completely by accident. I think if you're wor- like with improv, if you're working with the right people and you're screwing around a lot, like just riding in a van with people, you know, in, in the tour co- touring company at Second City, you know, like people like Adam McKay, you know, we're constantly doing bits, like just screwing around. And I, I get the sense when you watch films of Adams too, that a lot of the best ideas when you watch Anchorman and stuff, you're like, I bet this is from when they were just screwing around. <laughs> <because> <laughs> A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the best stuff comes up accidentally. Yeah. You know, uh, Paul Westerberg from The Replacements, another favorite band of mine, once said, uh, rock and roll is about mistakes and making mistakes work for you. And I think that that's with comedy, too. Like, if you just roll with the mistakes and you roll with the things that go wrong and you roll with what seems like an accident and have fun with it, it a lot of the best stuff comes out of that. You want some toast? We'll make toast if you want to. We can leave your friends behind. If your friends don't toast and if they don't toast, well, they're no friends of mine. I want a divorce. We'll get divorced if you want to. Would that be all? May I bring the check for you, sir? Bring the check if you want to. We can bring you no check right now because your friends don't check and if they don't check, well, then. This podcast is a production of the Reduce Shakespeare Company. Reducing expectations since 1981. Go to ReduceShakespeare.com for performance dates, actor bios, email newsletters, and so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less. And so much less.